I'd like to begin with a personal story. Uh, years ago, uh, my father would tell me this story, that when my mother was pregnant with me, they were in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they attended a service there at the Church of the Nazarene in Indianapolis. And my father was so taken by the sermon that he began to say, Lord, let my son preach like this. He didn't know then that he would have a son. He was hoping for that. And he tells me this, that he put his hand on my mother's tummy and prayed for me. Lord, make my son to be a preacher one day and preach like this man. All right, that's the story. Fast forward 20 years later. I'm at Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville. And I was there a number of years. We always had to attend chapel service. Of all the speakers over all those years, I only remember one speaker. And uh, he preached a sermon on a text that I'm going to speak on today. It's about Enoch who had this testimony before his translation that he pleased God. Do you know that sermon so gripped me that I went to my dormitory room, got on my knees, and said, Oh, Lord, let me live like that to want to please you. In fact, I did something I'd never done before. I called my father. I said, Dad, I've just heard a sermon that moved me no end. And he said, who was the preacher? I said, a man named C.B. Cox. He said, son, that was the preacher that we listened to in Indianapolis when I prayed for you when your mother was six months pregnant that one day you would preach like him. It was C.B. Cox. Well, years later, I hear him preach, and I was moved by that. Well, what I wanted to share with you today is the same verse. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. And it says, By faith Enoch, when he was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. Well, that text... I've thought about it over the years. Uh, the great preacher C.H. Spurgeon said, if a text gets a hold of you, chances are you have got a hold of it. Well, I want you to know that I would have thought that this is surely the greatest thing that could be said about you or me, uh, that we pleased God. You know, as I was preparing this talk, it happened that I watched the funeral of the late Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. He died at the age of 99. He was 73 years of the husband of Her Majesty the Queen. And one of the final items of that funeral service was listing all his titles and accomplishments. And it went on for two or three minutes. I mean, there were a dozen of titles, uh, so impressive. And not many in this world could uh, match any claim like that. And I couldn't help but wonder, as I listened uh, to those things said about the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, I wonder if he thought that some of those things might help him to get to heaven. I don't know. What we know is he was born to privilege. 
Well, to have a pedigree, to have things said about you. Do you think about how you will be remembered? Uh, is it important to you that you have uh, degrees after your name or honors? Uh, do you know the Apostle Paul, uh, he gives his pedigree. It's in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I've got a pedigree. He says, circumcise the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, and as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to the righteousness of the law, blameless. At least that was the way he thought at the time. And then he added, whatever gain I had, I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Well, could it be that you worry about things like that and it would be important to you to have a pedigree and have uh, such an honor? Well, we know one thing about Enoch, and that is he had this testimony before his translation that he pleased God. I ask, would that be enough for you? What if the only thing that would be said about you after you're gone, well, he pleased God? To me, it, just, it doesn't get better than that. Now, it's interesting, that verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, that's where you find it, it does not say that he pleased his parents. You know, that, that can be hard to do. And I, I can tell you, as I grew up, I remember the days when in school, back in Ashland, Kentucky, I made B's and C's. And then Dad said, look, if you try real hard, you can make all B's. Well, one day I made all B's. And I thought, well, that'll please him. And then you know what he said? He said, try real hard, R.T., and you'll make A's and B's. The day came, I came back with a report card, all A's and B's. I thought, well, surely that will please him. And then, do you know what he said? He said, next time, maybe you'll have all A's. Guess what? I came home that day so proud. I had all A's, but a bunch of the A's were A-minuses. And I worried about those A-minuses. I thought, I know what Dad's going to say. Try real hard and to be all straight A's. In other words, I never felt that I really pleased my, my dad. Well, it says, Hebrews 11, verse 5, it does not say that he pleased his friends. You know, we all have friends, but sometimes they will be such critics, we think, well, a, a friend like that, who needs an enemy? And you can't always please your friends. And I'll tell you, it does not say he pleased his wife. Well, sometimes that's hard to do. I'll tell you a funny story. I was preaching in Northern Ireland. And uh, I was preaching on thorn in the flesh. And that, uh, how everybody has a thorn in the flesh, something that God uses to get your attention, to make you pray more and so forth. And a man came up to me afterwards. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, can your wife be your enemy? I said, yeah. He said, thank you. <laughs> and then another man came up to me and he said this, 
I love your book on living with an unhappy marriage. I said, I haven't written a book on unhappy marriage. Oh, you did. He said, it changed my life. And then it hit me. In my book, Thought in the Flesh, there's a chapter on unhappy marriage. And that's the only thing he remembered. Well, the point is, you can't always please your wife. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, he doesn't please his enemies. Do you know what it is to have an enemy? And you try to win them over. Uh, it can be a strength. It can be a weakness. Uh, at Westminster Chapel, where I spent 25 years, there was a man in the congregation who was going to write a book against me. And he sat down on the fourth row where he's noticeable with his pen and notes and looking for something that I might say that he could use it against me. And you couldn't help but be conscious. Well, you know, you can't please your enemies. And then another thing, Hebrews 11.5 does not say that he pleased those who were jealous of him. There's a verse in Proverbs, who can stand before jealousy. If, if they're jealous of you, there's just not much you can do about it. Oh, one more thing. You know, Hebrews 11.5, it does not say that he pleased himself. Mm. There's an interesting verse. Romans 15, verse 3. Christ pleased not himself. Well, there it is. What we know about Enoch he had this testimony before he was taken up to heaven that he pleased God. And this is what I wish I could get over to you today. The grandest and the greatest thing that can ever be said about a human being. And yet, do you know, this is the encouraging thing. It's a possible thing. Well, now, Hebrews chapter 11 I don't know how much you may know about the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I would urge you, get to know Hebrews 11. That should be one of the main chapters that you try to master, if I may put it that way. That means that you know it very well because it describes one person after another lived many years ago who, by faith, each of them, in their own way, turned their world upside down. Hebrews 11. But there's something you need to know. Hebrews 11 is not showing how to get to heaven. You see, the writer assumes that his readers, they're already saved. I could prove that. I could take a lot of time to show. When he wrote the letter to the Hebrews, uh, these were not on the fence. They were saved. He calls them holy brethren. He assumes that they're saved. But what he wants for them is to come to a higher level of knowing God. And uh, this is what mainly I'm speaking about today. I'm going to have something to say about those who may not be included. Uh, but as to those who are saved, in the case of the writer, He's wanting them to enter into God's rest. In other words, this is something that is beyond the level of conversion. 
This is the point of Hebrews chapter 4. There remains a rest. All those who have been converted. Uh, it's when God would swear an oath to you. Nothing could be more wonderful than that. He swore an oath to Abraham. And the writer wants the Hebrew Christians to know God can swear an oath to you. That's when God becomes very, very, very real. It can also be called full assurance. And so that's what Hebrews is about. Well, now, the 11th chapter is all about how to enjoy a greater relationship with God. And I would call it, they had persistent faith. Uh, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, each of them turned their world upside down by what they did, but they did it through faith. Now, I need to explain something right here. There are two kinds of faith. Saving faith, persistent faith. What's the difference? Saving faith is what saves you and makes you fit for heaven. And I'm going to return to that before I finish this talk today. Saving faith is what matters to know whether you're going to go to heaven or be eternally lost. But then there's another kind of faith, persistent faith. And that is for Christians. It's what leads to a greater relationship with God. Now, I'll put this question to you. I wonder if you've had this question put to you before. Here it is. Which gives you more satisfaction? When God pleases you or when you please him? Well, I think if we're honest and I have to come clean, I, I'm like everybody, I'm happier when God is pleasing me. He's answering my prayers, things falling into place. He does what I want. Uh, but there comes a time, there comes a time when he hides his face, doesn't seem to answer prayer, things are not going your way, and then we've got an opportunity. I don't know if you've thought about this. I've come upon this recently. And the question is, do, do you get satisfaction from knowing you're pleasing God right now? You see, sometimes... When I'm discouraged and I think, Lord, why don't you answer my prayer? I've got these promises. I've got these requests. And why on earth don't you answer them? Then he will gently remind me of what I preach. He says, you tell people to get their satisfaction from knowing they please God. So, R.T., this is a moment. You've got a chance to please me. I'm not giving you what you want. You can show that you please me, and that is what matters. You see, we please God by faith, and when we're not getting what we want. A friend of mine, you may have heard of him, his name is Arthur Blessed. He's a man that's carried the cross around the world. Don't have to go into detail about him. He's a close friend of mine. I had him preach for me in London a number of times. He, he turned us upside down. And he tells the story. He was in northern Israel carrying the cross. 
and he forgot to arrange where to put the cross for the night and, and get a place to sleep. And it was getting dark, and uh, it was too late. So he found a bus stop, had no covering, but there was a bench. And Arthur just lay his cross down and just lay on the bus stop bench, the bench, and I'll sleep here for the night. When all of a sudden it started to rain. And so Arthur sat on the edge of the bench and said, rain, in Jesus' name, stop. Do you know what happened? Lightning, thunder, it began to pour harder than ever. And Arthur, as he looked into the sky, as the rain came down on his face, Arthur said, God, I love you. That is pleasing God. God wasn't pleasing Arthur. He didn't answer his prayer. He said, God, I love you. And so there comes a time when things don't go your way. And I would urge you, get satisfaction. It's an enormous sense of satisfaction. You are now on trial. You've got a chance to please God. You're not getting what you want. But you can just say, as, as Job put it, the book of Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. All right, back to Enoch. He pleased God and had this witness before his translation to heaven. Do you know there are two people in human history that never died? Elijah, the prophet, he was taken to heaven. And this man, Enoch, we're told Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Well, I need to tell you, the only time that you have to please God is while you are alive. It will be before you die. You see, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, it's to me, I could make a case, it's the most important verse in the Bible, I could make a case that other verses are equally important, but let me tell you about 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Paul said, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things done in the body. That means while you're on earth, in this body. You see, it will be too late to please God after you die. Why? Well, you won't need faith after you die. All will be clear and real. And you see, I have to tell you that those who are lost, they won't need faith to believe there is a God. In Luke chapter 16, we're told about the rich man in Hades. He prayed, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Well, Yes, you will pray the right prayer then. You see, those in heaven, they will not need faith to believe. They will see Jesus face to face. And those who are lost, they will know there is a God. And they'll, they'll pray. They'll get their prayer right then. And they will believe. Oh, yes, but it won't be faith. It's not faith when you see and believe. It's faith when you believe and see. Let me just ask you this question. Do you appreciate the privilege of faith? I have to tell you, 
right now is the only time you can have faith. Be too late after you die. It won't be faith then. You'll say, I believe now. Oh, yes, but it's not faith. And thank God he has lovingly warned you now. Now is the time to exercise faith. You see, the only way to please God is by faith because after having described Enoch in verse 5 of Hebrews 11, he had this, trans, he, he had this testimony before his translation that he pleased God. The very next verse, Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and, listen, that he rewards those who seek him. Now, there are two things. One, you believe that he exists, or as the King James Version put it, you believe that he is. And you know, when you are in a great trial, you can count on one thing every time Satan will come along and suggest, see there, God does not exist. And when things happen that don't make sense, and when things don't add up, and when God allows all kinds of accidents, and the devil will get in and tempt you to doubt, be of courage. This is the way the devil tempted Jesus. The devil came to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, you know, trying to get Jesus to doubt whether he is the Son of God. He, he attempted to tempt Eve in the Garden of Eden. The devil said to Eve, has God said that you're supposed to eat not of this tree? Has God said? In other words, to get Eve to doubt. And so when we're in a trial, the devil will come along and say, there's no God, could be a God, or this wouldn't happen. This is why the writer says, you must believe that he exists. Just don't listen to the devil, because I want you to know now, God has not deserted you. He has not deserted you. There is a purpose in what is going on. And not only do you believe that he exists and keep your eyes on Jesus, don't listen to the devil. The writer adds this. I find this so encouraging. He rewards those who seek him. Many translations put it, who earnestly seek him. And so I need to tell you that uh, the kind of faith that pleases God, I don't mean to be unfair, but this is not a perfunctory faith, as if to, to wrote by memory, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and you go through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, that's all good stuff, but uh, that's not what he means. It's, we're talking about a persistent faith, a diligent faith, seeking God's face and saying with Job, I repeat it, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Or here's another way to put it. Do you know about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It happens that Louise and I have three grandchildren. They're all boys. Uh, Toby, 
Timothy, Ty. And from the moment of Ty's birth, when I knew I had three grandsons, I began praying, Lord, make them like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood against the temptation. They were told that if they didn't bow down to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, you'll see it in Hebrews chapter 3, they saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not bowing down, and he was called in on the carpet. And they said to the three Hebrews, Who's this God who will deliver you? And you know what they replied? They said, First of all, we don't even think about it. We don't need to have a conference and decide where we're going to stand. He said, We don't need to think about it. We can tell you right now. Our God is able to deliver us. But if not, we will not bow down. I've got a question for you right now. You watching me? Here's the question. Do you have the but if not faith? Do you have the but if not faith? You see, the Hebrew children said, our God is able to deliver us, but if not, in other words, if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Well, Enoch, he is described in Hebrews chapter 11, and he had this testimony. In fact, the Greek in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, can read without any difficulty. He had this witness. This could be witness of the Holy Spirit. Yes, what kept in it going? He had the witness of the Spirit that it was pleasing God. Uh, it's called internal vindication. We're told that Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. It's in 1 Timothy 3.16. He was vindicated by the Spirit. What kind of vindication is that? Well, there's two kinds of vindication. External, when everybody agrees, you got it right. Or internal, nobody agrees, but Holy Spirit says you got it right. What kept Jesus going? He was vindicated by the Spirit. And nobody believed in him. The disciples, they were vacillating. The enemies, he's not going to please them. And people laughed and they mocked. But you know what kept Jesus going at the human level? His faith in his Father, he had the witness internally that he had got it right. And you see, God will give us that. That's what Enoch had. He wasn't pleasing people. He didn't please his enemies. He didn't please those that were jealous of him. But he pleased God, and he had this witness that he did. There's an interesting verse, John chapter 5, verse 44. Uh, for what it's worth, this has been my life verse. It says, How can you believe who receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from the only God? Now, when I say that's been my life verse, I don't want to make any claim that I've kept that up because that's a very high standard. I'm afraid that I do care about what people think, and, and I do wonder if I'm pleasing them. We never outgrow that completely. We like compliments. We like encouragement. But the thing is, to keep your eyes on God and say, Lord, am I pleasing you? That's what matters. And that is what kept Enoch going. 
And I sometimes think that one day God said to Enoch, Enoch, you know too much. You come up here with me. And he was taken to heaven. He was taken to heaven. And Enoch and Elijah, the only two that happened to. Well, I need to tell you, if you should want to please God, what I've hoped that giving you this sermon, this talk today, my goal is that you might have an aspiration, an ambition to please God. But before I close, I, I must say, the first step in pleasing God is to consider eternity. Yes, if you're not sure whether you are pleasing God, I can tell you the first step. That is, where will you spend eternity? Dear friend, eternity lasts a long time. And there are only two destinies the Bible talks about. There's only two. It's heaven or hell. And so I, I must ask you this. I, I do you no favor not to ask you this. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you? And if you were to stand before God, you will. And if he were to ask you, he might. Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Did you know that's the most important question that anybody can ever put to you? More important than a doctor in your doctor's office, if you ask questions about you, what's wrong with you? Listen, the question I put is more important than that. If you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? That's the question that matters. Because a hundred years from now, you won't think about any illness you had waiting for the outcome of an examination or whether you get this job or things change. A hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is your answer to this question. Why would God let you in to his heaven? And I can tell you what you must do. You must come to the place to recognize that you're a sinner. You see, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to know I'm a sinner great as any, worse than many. And if you knew all there was to know about me, you'd be amazed that I'm even here. But I'm a forgiven man. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed away my sins, and I can talk to you today. I'm not worthy to be here, but God has done this for me, and he will do it for you. Here's what I would urge you to do right now. Whether you're at home, in your living room, or in a bar watching, or in a hotel room, pray this prayer. Say it out loud if you like, it wouldn't matter, but just say it in your heart because God sees you. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins my way, wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. 
And as best as I know how, I give you my life. Did you just pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer for the first time and meant it, do you know what you just caused to happen? <laughs> A concert in heaven. The Bible says the angels rejoice You've just started a concert among the angels. They rejoice over one sinner that repents. And when you get to heaven, you can get a video replay of the concert you started in heaven. It's wonderful to know. And I'll tell you another thing. You've just been born again. So I would say, happy birthday. And this is the beginning of a life. You start pleasing God by honoring His Son who died on the cross. You give your life to Him, and now you've got the Bible, the privilege of prayer. Find a church where the Bible is preached and Christ is honored. Surround yourself with Christian people. Get to know the Bible. Pray. Know how real God is. You'll never be sorry, and one day you and I will meet. And you'll thank me that I asked you these questions. In the meantime, God bless you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.